0: Bible. A deeper dive into the books of the Bible. Greetings and welcome to Pondering the Bible. I'm your co-host Ken Corkins and with me as always is my longtime friend and pastor Rocky Ellison. Hello. This is season four episode eight and as always we pray that we're sponsored by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Last week, I sat down and re-recorded the outro, because (laughs) a couple of weeks ago, we announced
1: we had changed. We are, yeah, we are Ponder GMC now, Ponder Global Methodist Church.
0: And the outro still had... Our old URL, the UMC address. Oh, I better fix that. Not that I'm sure many people actually listen to the outro because, oh, the show's over. Let's go on the next episode of whatever. But
1: That's all, folks.
0: There's nothing like changing
1: denominations to make you realize how many thousands of places you have put out your information, your name, your website, your phone, and, and all that stuff.
0: It's ingrained. Yeah. All right. So, last week, we finished the book of Philemon. Yes. Philemon, however you want to pronounce it. We talked about that. Yep. And we're about to enter into Advent season, but there's something in between, and that's this week. What are we going to cover this week? In the liturgical
1: calendar from the liturgical churches, uh, the last Sunday before Advent is Christ the King Sunday, where we acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Uh, and the reason it's placed there is because in the liturgical church, the four Sundays of Advent, the four Sundays before Christmas, are supposed to focus on the second coming of Christ, not on the birth of baby Jesus. Uh, if you look through the lectionary readings, they all are uh, concerning the return of Christ at the end of the age. And so, uh, that's why this Sunday we acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, and then if we were to follow that calendar, then we'd spend four weeks waiting for Him to come back. Now, in our church, we've always been rebellious, and we use those four Sundays to prepare for
0: Christmas. But, uh, <laughs> I think that's kind of what most people expect. Yeah. Um, I can understand the thinking, but I also understand tradition, so it's kind of a, a toss-up. All the people in our church want to hear
1: Christmas carols. They want to get ready for Christmas. They want that good news on the horizon—the the
0: birth of your Savior has come. So, that's what we do. Interesting. So, now that it's now that we're doing this, what book, chapter, and verses are we going to read? Well,
1: you week? know, I, I had my choice of of thousands of readings that deal with Christ, the King. Jesus is Lord. Um, but last week, like you said, we did Philemon. And it was written at the exact same time as the book of Colossians. So I chose to take our reading from Colossians tonight. So we'll be in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. What translation are you reading from tonight? In LT, all of the translations are going to be very, very similar. I agree
0: because I actually looked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did. A, I brought up a parallel Bible and said, "Ah, no, they all say see this. thing." Eh, <laughs> He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all those who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself." He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by
0: means of Christ's blood on the cross. Amen. So I can definitely see what what you found. There's very much Christ is king in this reading. It's very, very strong. Yeah. No question there. So, what, if anything, is unique or special? About this particular text,
1: what's really interesting in this one is if you look at it in in whatever Bible you read, you're going to notice that it's indented differently, it's paragraphed differently, uh, it may be italicized as well, and it's because this is a song. This was a hymn.
0: So now Paul wrote this letter. Right. Was he singing to the church?
1: I will sing you the song of my people. (laughs) When you say song, I think music. I understand that's not how it works. No, it it isn't in in this case. Yeah. If you and I, uh, read and, and sang Greek, we we would notice that all the words rhyme and that it has a, a metrical, uh, cadence. Da dum, da dum, da dum, da dum, da dum, da dum. And it follows this along quite nicely. Verses 15 through 18 are the first verse of the song. uh, Verses 19 and 20 are the second verse of the song. And and Paul includes it here at this point in the letter. Uh, We don't know who wrote it. It's possible it was Paul. But it's far more likely that it was a song that was being sung in all of the churches at the time. And so Paul could include it here. And uh, and it would have a big impact because everybody would recognize. Oh, I love that song. Yeah. That's, that's my favorite hymn on Sunday. Like I love that one. Pulling
0: out the old Cokesbury. Oh, yeah, I love that yeah, song. Yeah, I really like the old songs, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, what is the song
1: about? You know, I thought we might just go through verse by verse and and talk about why each verse is in there because there's a lot of theology in this song, and and. That is the purpose of hymns. They teach theology. Uh, listening to a boring preacher rant on and on and on about some some theology gets really boring and a lot of people tune him out. But, no comment. I plead the fifth. But it <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hurt my feelings. <laughs> But if you put it in music, you can teach the exact same theology, and people catch it, and they remember it, and they'll hum it and sing it to themselves later in the week. So there's a great deal of theology here. Uh, Verse 15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Uh, The word that he actually uses there is aicon, which is where we get the English word icon. Jesus is the icon of God. Is a symbol representing something else, an icon. He is, but it's even deeper than that. If you've ever been, like, to a Greek Orthodox or a Russian Orthodox church, um, there will be icons, paintings, hanging in the church. There'll always be an icon of Jesus somewhere. And if your church is named for a particular saint, you know, we're St. Paul's, mm-hmm. uh, there will be an icon of Paul on the altar uh, between the pastor and the and the altar. And what's interesting is, no matter what church you go to anywhere in the world, that Paul will look exactly the same no matter who he was painted by. At Jesus will look exactly the same no matter who painted him. Icon artists go to school for years and years and years to learn to paint just one saint so that it exactly looks like any, that saint painted by anyone
0: else anywhere in the world. Kind of like and, scribes were, yeah, trained to yeah. copy one book, possibly.
1: And to do it perfectly. So <clears throat> more than just saying that, that Jesus is the image, this says he is the exact recognizable representation of God. You want to know what God is? Look at Jesus. You'll recognize immediately this is God when you look at Jesus. Very cool. Yeah, it's it. That's an interest. It's a a great theology, okay? right? You want to see God, see Jesus. How does is God nasty and vindictive, or is he loving and forgiving?
0: Look at Jesus. Right. Exactly. Okay. Uh, Next, it says he existed before anything was created, and is supreme over all creation.
1: I have a hard time uh, wrapping my head around this. We there's a word we use. It's called pre-eternal. Jesus is pre-eternal. He has always been. No matter how far back in time you go,
0: Jesus had already been here for an infinite amount of time. Right. It reminds me of the opening of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word. And that's what brings to mind when I read this. Yes! Because John says... When everything first started, Jesus was there. Um, and if you read Genesis, you yeah. can infer that yes. Jesus was at the creation as well, yes. which gives him what, like you said, pre-eternal, I don't want to call it life, but he existed before time. He's always existed, much like we think of God, has been around since before anything existed.
1: And in fact, I love the way the NLT does it in John. Go ahead and read John 1.1 from the NLT, because uh, they really do a, a great job of conveying
0: John's intent here. John 1.1, In the beginning, the Word already existed. Already. So, in the beginning, when creation
1: happened, Jesus was already here.
0: Right. So... Yeah, that one brings definite images called back to me to John 1. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I can wrap my head around, he's born and he never, ever dies. He goes
1: on forever and ever. But never having been born, never having started,
0: that just makes my head explode. (laughs) Yeah, because it doesn't make sense to us time-bound beings. Yeah. Right? We're definitely time-bound. So verse 1 of the hymn basically
1: says... uh, Jesus is God, and he has always been. That's two pretty big aspects of theology right there. Jesus is not just a man who was a really good man. He is God, and he is pre-eternal.
0: So we jump to verse 16 now. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world, everything was created through him and for him. You know there's a real tendency um
1: when we're trying to explain the Trinity to people um and and, that, and that's a really hard concept to explain. Uh, there's a tendency to go well. God the Father is this creator; He made everything, and then Jesus the Son is the Redeemer, um, uh, who who saved us from our sins, and then God the Holy Spirit is the Sanctifier; He helps us be better and and live more Christ like lives, and that diminishes the fact that Jesus is also creator. He was there at creation. John, if we'd stayed in John's gospel, John is adamant about this. Jesus was part of creation. Everything that you and I know has been created by Jesus because he is God and God, the one God made everything. So Jesus is responsible for everything that has been made. And then the second part of this verse is really interesting, you know, that Jesus is therefore uh, in charge of thrones kingdoms rulers authorities in the unseen world what what Paul is say, or what the song says right there is Jesus is lord over all the spirits and that would include satan and his devils his demons and yeah. angels
0: and any other— yeah the whole spiritual world the world that we can't see yeah. but exists and it's called out hundreds of times in the bible um that we're Essentially unaware of. Yeah. But it's all around us all the time. Uh he's in charge of all of that. And or he's over it. Yeah. yeah. And 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 what the song has said up to this point
1: then is there wouldn't be a devil if Jesus didn't make him. Right. So um Jesus is responsible for the devil being here, and the devil
0: is required to submit to Jesus because Jesus is Lord. Right. And we see that in is it is it Luke that he goes out into the desert? Yes. Yeah. and so we Well, see both that, Matthew and Luke, chapter okay. I, four I, I, of both of them, yeah. I thought of Matthew first. I thought, yep. no, it's maybe in Luke. <laughs> but yeah, where the devil tempts Jesus in the desert, yeah. and he can't force Jesus to no. do anything. No. He's still uh, under the authority of Jesus. He tries to tempt him, hey, yeah. follow me, and I'll show you everything. You know, I'll give you everything you want on earth. And Jesus turns him away and says, I have everything on earth. And above Earth, too. So, (laughs) And this was a great song in the year,
1: you know, 60 A.D., uh, because a lot of people feel like, man, my life is just terrible. I get up, I work as hard as I can just to get enough money to feed my family one lousy meal, and then tomorrow will look the same, and the next day will look the same, and life is hard and bitter, and I feel like I'm caught between God and the devil, and I don't know who's winning. And the song says... The devil cannot win because
0: he submits to Christ. So, have hope. Absolutely uplifting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Verse 17. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. And we're back to the
1: pre-eternal. It's the same thing he was talking about in verse 15, but it's kind of like the
0: chorus. Right. Of of the song. That's what I was thinking. We got verses, where's the chorus, and we need a bridge and intro. and. (laughs) And there's the chorus. He existed before everything. (laughs) Okay. Then we'll jump to 18. Yeah. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He's the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything.
1: You know, we have really hammered this a lot lately. You have to believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, you must believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus. Uh, But a lot of us then believe that Jesus rose from the dead, and we hope we will, too. Yeah. And the song says, don't hope. Jesus' resurrection is the proof you're going to be resurrected. Get get excited about the resurrection of Jesus because that's how you know beyond any shadow of a doubt you are going to rise. Again, Jesus is the first, which means there will be others.
0: You can't be first if there's no second. Right? That's exactly right. When you're only. <laughs> and I we hit it recently, it was Jesus was the first of a great harvest. Yeah. I don't remember which book we picked that up in, but yeah. I do recall that, uh, which should give us hope that, yes, we too— shall rise from the dead. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Verse 19. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Okay, that's a controversial verse. Um, That
1: is one of the reasons why they had to have the Council of Nicaea and come up with the Nicene Creed, because that verse in the song sort of implies that Jesus isn't God. God was just living in the body of a man named Jesus. So a man named Jesus was indwelt by God. Yeah. And so Jesus himself wasn't God, or he was something less than God, and God had to inhabit him. Um, And and so uh, the song is a little off base theologically there. And it was, it was going for rhyme and rhythm. But at that one point, it got its theology a little wrong. So let's not blame Paul for spreading the theology that, uh, that Jesus is lesser than the Father or that, uh, he was only God because he was indwelt by the Father. That's not true. Uh, if you got any doubts about how it really works, Go through the Nicene Creed. There's a whole paragraph.
0: <laughs> I think we talked about that one in the second letter of John. Yeah. That heresy. Yeah. That Jesus was just a man. Yeah, yeah. Then at the at yes. the uh, baptism, the Holy Spirit came down and lived in him. And this kind of, you know, that was that whole heresy. So I can understand how that kind of might have Messed things up
1: for And that's another people. reason why I don't think Paul wrote the song, why he's just repeating the hymn in his letter, because I think Paul would have attended to a detail. Yeah, like I that. don't think
0: he would have skipped over a little little yeah. thing like that. Yeah. That was a... Uh, oopsie. Verse 20, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross.
1: I, I, in my research, um, this week, I, I came across just a, a fascinating article, uh, in a, uh, uh a journal called Verbum Vitiae, uh, by a man who was working through these verses. And he says, there are only two periods in all of history. There is creation, which started at the moment that That God spoke, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, let there be light and Mm -hmm. and creation starts. And that, yeah, if you're, if you want to, you can say that triggered the big bang or if you, however you want to view the process of creation, um, that that initiated it. And in this guy's view, based on this verse, creation continues until Jesus dies on the cross. That's still part of creation. Hmm. And in his view, based on verse 20, the only other period in all of history is redemption, and that starts when Jesus dies on the cross, and that continues through the resurrection of all and and uh, all of our judgment and eventually uh, living forever gloriously in heaven. And I had never thought of that. I guess my my opinion was that creation must have been over by the time Adam and Eve sinned, and then... We just have this sort of sin period that goes until Jesus, you know, is born, and that starts the end times. In my mind, that is the trigger for the end times, uh, and that's how I'd always looked at it. But this guy made a really good case for creation goes straight to redemption, and the reason he wanted it ruled like that is because that way Jesus is absolutely Lord. Over every moment of history, there is no time. Doesn't matter whether it's Adam and Eve's time or whether it's uh, uh, Moses's time or whether it's you and my time. Jesus is Lord. Whoa! Deep thoughts. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was way deeper than I have ever worked in that direction. Yeah, uh, and and. Not entirely sure I agree with him, but man, it made some, some interesting thinking, and, and I can see how he proceeds. on so that way, you can genuinely say, Jesus is Lord, always has been, always will be.
0: Well, boy, it makes my thoughts on this verse just so minuscule and, and minor in, 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 in comparison. Unanimously, you are the weakest link. Um, well, seems- I never got there either. It was, if I hadn't hadn't been
1: in the library, I would have never found that. I mean, to me, this this is probably the
0: easiest to understand of the whole part. Like, right? yeah, uh, Jesus came to Earth and forgave our sins by His sacrifice on yeah. the cross. Yes, I don't need any more than that. Yeah, it doesn't have to be any deeper than that. <laughs> yeah, you, you had to go too far, didn't you, Rocky? <laughs> Oh, now you poked the bear. Well, that's what you get. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I can definitely see after reading through this and talking through it, because that's kind of how I was trying to approach it too. I'm like, boy, how do you approach this one um, other than going verse by verse? Because it's yeah, just so, yeah. like I said, it was kind of meaty. I mean, there's a lot yeah. here. And knowing that, you know, now I know it's a song, and it might have been like a top 10 of, yeah. <laughs> of AD 60. The amazing grace of its day. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> And it's, you know, because it's so thick of theology. Yeah. Um, it makes it easier to understand and and digest, I guess, is the word I'm looking for, um, because it just kind of pops out of the middle of this this letter to the, a church in Colossia. They're like, boom, let's just kind of remind ourselves of what we're talking about here, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. Other than that, what is the purpose of this song?
1: The overall purpose, there are are two main points to the entire song. First is just to acknowledge Jesus is Lord. Uh, Everybody needs to do that. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is Lord. This song is a a great way for those of us who are Christians to do exactly that, to confess Jesus is Lord. And, And the other sort of secondary aspect of the song is... Whatever is going on in your life is part of God's eternal plan, and it's for your good. And when you look back on the entirety of your life, and not just one particular segment, you will see God is good
0: all the time. Amen. Amen. (laughs) What else do you say to that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, I look back at the last couple of years for me and they were, it was a difficult time for me during the pandemic because I got laid off and was unemployed for a very long time. I'm like, why? You know, and I think it, looking back at it now where I'm three years out from being laid off, I think, like, oh, it was to humble me because I <laughs> thought I was pretty damn smart. <laughs> and I had to take some jobs that were um, not what I wanted to do. Let's put it yeah, that way. Yeah. And so it humbled me and it, I think it prepared me for where I'm at now. So it could be difficult to, to think about that, but... You never know. And then maybe in five years, I'll look back and say, no, that wasn't it at all. (laughs) (laughs) I know that I desperately needed
1: your time uh, and your expertise during that year uh, as we made the transition from just being a a brick-and-mortar church to being more digital so that we could serve our own members digitally when they couldn't come to the building and and couldn't worship with us because either they were sick or they were fearful of the environment. Um, I needed your time desperately, and you had it to give.
0: Yeah, I actually did. Uh, so, so from God's point of view, it was time well spent. Right. <laughs> because we're talking about the, uh, the majesty of Christ, right? Yeah. I looked up just what does the term majesty mean? Yeah. And I looked up, you know, from dictionary.com, a favorite resource, uh, majesty is impressive stateliness, dignity, or beauty. That applies. All, all um, applicable. We usually apply it to royalty, right kings, sure, queens, things of that nature, yeah, um, and its its meaning is greatness is used in a manner to of address by many monarchs, usually kings or queens, like i said um here's a funny one, or an interesting one, maybe the term was first assumed by Charles v, really, who believed that following his election as Holy Roman emperor in fifteen nineteen he deserves style greater than highness, <laughs> <laughs> which the preceding kings and emperors had used. So I'm better than them. So I need a new name. A I need a new better title. name. I need a better title. <laughs> wow. Way to go, Charles. Okay. Uh, anything else on this one? That's all I've got. Okay. Um, have you given a sermon title yet? Um,
1: yeah. calling this one, um, is, it, uh, is It Finished? Um, Jesus on the cross says it is finished. Those are his last words on the cross. And there's a great deal of debate about what did he actually mean by that. Some people think uh, he meant that the crucifixion was over, His physical pain was done. As this suffering that I've been through for the last you know 48 hours is finished. Some people believe he's speaking about his work as Messiah. Now that I'm dead, All sins are going to be paid for. The work that I can, the church will be birthed. All of these things are going to happen. So my ministry is finished. I'm done teaching. Uh, But one of the books that I read or one of the magazine articles that I read this week said creation is finished mm. on the cross. We've gone from creation to redemption. So that's what's
0: finished. Uh, the age, I found, it's just the end of the age. Okay. Yeah. So I found all of that interesting. So it's called, Is it finished? <laughs> all right. So if you'd like to listen to the sermon that Rocky delivers, it'll be on our website at www.pondergmc.org. <laughs> at the top is a menu called Ministries. Pull that down, click on Sermons. Look for the sermon, It Is Finished. Yes. With a question mark. Yes. <laughs> it is finished. This will have been delivered on November 20th. 20th. 2022. Way to fix your notes, Ken. (laughs) Where are we going next week?
1: We're moving into Advent, and I've been so involved in other things, I have not picked the Advent series yet. So it'll be a surprise to me. Advent, therefore, roulette. To
0: you. <laughs> Advent roulette. <laughs> Spin the wheel. Where do we land this year? Okay.
1: We know we're going to spend four weeks talking about the birth of Christ, the incarnation of the Son of God. It's, it'll cover that for sure.
0: <laughs> Guarantee that at least, yes. right? Okay. You ready for the dad joke? I am. Okay. I hate it when people say age is only a number, age is clearly a word. And with that, I think we'll close this episode. This is Ken Corkins and Rocky Ellison reminding you to love God and be nice to people. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us at www.pondergmc.org. There you can watch our live stream services, listen to replays of Rocky's sermons, and find other interesting information about us. This has been Pondering the Bible.